You're listening to the Fire and Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 15, published on December 13th, 2022. This episode, we'll be talking to AJ Zito from Practical Performance about gunsmithing. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back and relax for this week's episode. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fire and Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, as listeners to this podcast, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history, on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, Every farm instructor like you in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by AJ Zito from Practical Performance. Welcome, AJ, and thanks for taking time to share your knowledge with our audience. Thanks, Rob. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, hey, for those that don't know who AJ Zito is and what you do with Practical Performance, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background? Sure. Uh, so I am uh, AJ Zito. <laughs> I am a uh, full-time gunsmith and firearms instructor as well. Uh, I've been gunsmithing since about 2015 is when I got into it. Um, I have, you know, what I've, what I've often referred to as a classical gunsmithing background. Uh, I came up through Yavapai College, went through their gunsmithing program where you know, I, you have to be very broad and generally trained in all, all things gunsmithing from shotguns to rifles to very high end, uh, you know, precision rifles and, and handguns. And, uh, as well as become, you know, enough of a machinist to work on things, run a lathe, run a mill, so on and so forth. Um, and then when I, uh, completed that program, I, uh, there was a follow on master. They refer to it as master program, which I did. And before I got out of there, they offered me a job teaching at the college. So I was a firearms uh, teacher, I'm sorry, a uh, gunsmithing teacher for about four or five years as well while I was there. Um, other than that, as far as uh, you know, teaching, I've been teaching in some way, shape or form since about 2009 within the firearms and, and security realms. Um, uh, in some way, shape or form, I used to, I used to teach for certain other companies until I launched my own company in about 20, I believe it was 2015 as well. And so I, uh, travel around the country teaching my brand of performance shooting as well as with some other guys. And when I'm home, I 
do the gunsmithing portion of it. So, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. I really, really appreciate you sharing your uh, background because you've obviously got a very broad background, as you said, being classically trained. And that's one of the things we want to talk about today is uh, gunsmithing, because we've all seen the YouTube videos uh, online about here. All what you got to do is take this off your gun and file on a little bit to uh, make it work. And, uh, that might work. It might not work. Um, but I think when you get into more of having a re- reliability of your gun, uh, you know, having an armor who knows how to switch out parts and I'm a Glock armor and they teach you how to switch out parts, uh, fine, yeah. but you get to gunsmithing. Uh, can you go along and kind of, uh, explain what, what is gunsmithing compared to armor versus what, you know, somebody might do on, from a YouTube channel. Um, it's our listeners kind of understand that there is a broad difference between each one of those categories. Yeah, there, and there absolutely is. And, um, you know, it's one of those things it's become more of a, a misunderstanding, um, over the last several years because gunsmiths, proper gunsmiths, uh, are few and far between nowadays, which is unfortunate. It is a, a not as broad of a profession as it once was. Um, but you know, let's let's start at the baseline there. For things that most end users could be capable of, I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there somewhere for it. You know, things like disassembling your firearm. Uh, replacing the sights on your firearm, things of that nature. Uh, the, if, to me, those are very much, you know, sure, you want to swap a fiber optic rod in your front sight, no need to find an armor, go ahead and do that, right? Or you want to pick up a new, uh, you know, uh, a new red dot and mount it to your gun, no problem. You can do that as long as you follow the, the, the steps correctly. Um, but that's kind of your baseline. And then you know, you really start getting into actual parts swapping, uh, mechanical functions of the gun. And that's really where the armor, I think, steps in. The armor is a uh, typically a specialist in a platform, but a specialist within just the uh, what I would say the factory recommendations of a certain platform. So take mm-hmm. the Glock Armor course, you know, mm-hmm. as well, right? Glock Armor's course, excellent course uh, to to produce armors. You are taught to, you know, hey, these are the things that happen with the gun. These are the parts you need to replace in these service intervals. This is how you do it. These are our parts from the manufacturer, OEM parts that need to get replaced. And this is how it's done. And that's perfectly, you know, right in line with what I would call armors, uh, armor skill sets. Those are the guys like, you know, I'll use uh, like a rifle only because it's typically easier uh, to explain with a rifle, you know, cause guys wear out barrels much faster in rifles than they do handguns. Um, mm-hmm. But like an, uh, a Colt armor or an AR-15 armor, armor light, it doesn't matter the company. Um, they're able to, number one, test the, the firearm in which they're the armor of in order to see it. Is it working serviceably or is it not? And from that point, they can replace the things that need to be replaced with the recommended factory replacements uh, or parts for that system. And that's, that's great that, you know, there's absolutely armor level tasks that 
need to be accomplished, especially from a, a you know a law enforcement military standpoint. Those those that's perfectly uh, relatable. But it's even on the uh, you know the civilian side, right, uh, or the the regular citizen side. There's a lot of stuff that armors should and can very much take care of. Um, the next level of that would be the gunsmith. And, you know, I've heard it said before, I didn't come up with this, but it, it's kind of like taking your car to the dealer versus taking your car to a high-end mechanic. The high-end mechanic's going to take all sorts of stuff and that may or may not have belonged on your system and be able to create it to work on your system based on your preferences. You know, that's how we get hot rods uh, mm -hmm. out of things. And that's really what uh, a gunsmith is capable of, or a good gunsmith is capable of. You know, a, a good gunsmith can take uh, a part from this company and a part from this company and make them work on your system, even though they weren't necessarily built by the company that built your system. Let's say you're shooting a SIG and you want to put, um, you know, SIGs are traditionally, I'll use the red dot cut, right? SIGs are traditionally cut for a SIG red dot optic, but you don't want that optic. You want a Trigicon RMR or something. So that gunsmith knows how to reset your gun up, whether it be replacing the slide or making new cuts on the slide or making an adapter plate for your slide in order to make that gun run what you want to do. Yeah, or, or let's say, you know, you have a trigger you want uh, brought into a different spec that it's currently existing in. That's gunsmithing work. He has the skill set and the ability to make those functional changes to the system that were not intended by the manufacturer, but are going to increase the reliability, the safety, and so on and so forth of that system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can definitely uh, compare from a Glock armor standpoint. When I have an, a Glock and I need to replace parts on it, I'm looking at specific numbers and I'm ordering specific parts to replace those for it. I hear yep. about people that go along and 3D print or the P80s and they are drilling holes and doing things and they have problems with it. Uh, I also go along, I go along and realize yeah, I've been around, I've seen a lot of different things to where it's like, okay, the slide's not moving forward smoothly, then it's got to be something in these tabs here or there. But if you don't know how to analyze those problems, um, you, you're kind of at a standstill. You know, the gun just wasn't working. But at yep. the same point, I'm not going to go along, take it upon myself to go along and start filing off on trigger sears, uh, tr uh, trigger uh, safeties to make things work a little bit faster, a little smoother, because I quite honestly, I'm not sure how that's going to impact the reliability and the safety of it, because whenever you're going along modifying a gun, whatever the modification is, you've got to make sure that it's... Um, defensible if something ever happens with it i'm um, you know you put yep. sights, sights on a gun you you put different grips on it eh, you probably aren't going to have a whole lot of people uh, accusing you of making it more deadly or less reliable uh from the, from that standpoint but if you start getting into changing out how the gun functions uh their the trigger uh, systems different things like that you could potentially have a uh 
accidental or negligence discharge. You could go along and have a situation where you hurt yourself or somebody else. And those are all where lawsuits are born. And if you don't have the proper schooling behind you to realize, okay, how do I go along, check the SEER alignment, make sure I have a proper SEER engagement for it and that it doesn't go off. Um, we can go along, go back and you look at some of the early clocks and some of the problems they had. Um, you had yep. the SIG three, P320s and the issues they had where they dropped. And the one thing that was so amazing about the SIG 320, because I was around, I was watching it, it took about six months for it to fully be documented about what, what caused it to go off. And that's where the gun had to be dropped at a specific height, at a specific angle, to generate enough uh, G's, joules of of on the trigger to make it go off. And when you go yep. along and think about how many different factors were there that it took six months, you really had to have the engineering or the background to understand how to fix that. And as I understand, what SIG did was they lightened the trigger by just a couple grams I mean, and that's where you get into the whole engineering of it. It wasn't pounds that they were, and, you know, the triggers are never pounds at a, at a time themselves. They just shaved off a couple grams off of it, which changed the number of joules that were generated when it was dropped at a specific angle and it made it safer. And that's the type of thing where if you don't have that skill to be able to go along test and make sure it's safe, uh, you're really taking your life or, or whoever else's uh, life that's carrying your gun in your hands and potentially giving them a bad situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that, uh, that 320 example is always uh, interesting to me um, because <laughs> their answer, you know, primarily I'm currently a 1911, 2011 gunsmith. That's what I specialize in. And the, the lightening of a trigger, the actual weight of the trigger shoe itself, the part mm-hmm. you press uh, has been a 1911 thing for, over 50 years at this point and we've just we've done it forever and it's it's you know one of those things that oh maybe we've forgotten a couple of things and we should start looking at some of the things we've forgotten because it would have answered our problems a lot sooner had we kept them in mind but Mm -hmm. history is always doomed to repeat itself so those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it that is for sure absolutely (laughs) <laughs> love that quote. Well, uh, AJ, what are some of the schools that you can get armor training in? Sure. So there are uh, lots of uh, really good armor courses out there. Most factories, uh, factory gun manufacturers have some type of an armor course. You know, uh, probably the most uh, prominent one would be the Glock Armors course. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people are familiar with that course. It's been around quite a long time. Um, and that, uh, you know, is one of, it's a great, great course for understanding, you know, the way the system works, um, the, the parts that need to be replaced within the system, how to do those things, how to, you know, I know you're going to disassemble and reassemble that gun several, several, several times over several days. Um, but that's a great course. Uh, and most factories have that, that type of a course, uh, Smith and Wesson has that course. Um, uh, H and K has a course uh, Basically, any major manufacturer of mm-hmm. a of a handgun has that course, and rifles uh, for the most part as well. 
And most, um, most armor courses I know on the Glock side, have, uh, your certifications expire because they want to make sure people are staying up to date with the latest and greatest models for, um, you know, the Glock armor course is good for three years. And yep. when you go along and think about all the models that Glock's come back, come out with in the last three years, um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, the 43X, the 48s, the, the uh, for, uh, 45s, uh, they are, you know, they come out with different models. They want to make sure you come back to learn how to go along and maintain those models. That's uh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it does have an expiration date. Uh, how about, how about from a gunsmithing uh, standpoint, uh, where can you get uh, uh, schooling on that? Yeah. So that becomes a little bit more, um, a little bit more difficult. So there, there are basically three ways to become a gunsmith, right? You can go, uh, well, let me break them down like this. You can choose two paths. You can go to school and learn to be a gunsmith, or you can apprentice from day one under a, let's say, master gunsmith and learn from the ground up. That's become much more rare these days uh because frankly we're just losing a lot of the country's great gunsmiths um they're they're just not as prominent as they used to be and part of that's because of the you know the manufacturing of firearms today is not the same as it has been in the last hundred years um so we're losing a lot of uh, a lot of that talent and, and experience uh but if you look on the school side uh, we can break it down even further. There's really two types of schoolings. Uh, the first one would be like an online gunsmithing course. Um, things like uh, Sonoran Desert Institute come to mind. Um, American Gunsmithing, American Gunsmithing Institute, AGI. AGI. Not sure if I, yeah, not sure if I have the acronym totally correct, but uh, or the meaning correct. But AGI uh, uh, has always been around as a gunsmithing program um I believe there's a uh pennsylvania school of trades has a uh online gunsmithing presence as well so there are multiple gunsmithing online gunsmithing routes um i have my own personal beliefs about those uh i uh there are certain things as a gunsmith i'm not entirely sure can be well i'm very very much sure cannot be taught on the internet via video um, or via even, you know, conference call or, or, or distance education wise, it just can't be done. Um, I can't teach you how to run a lathe or a mill uh, via zoom. Can't, I, I can't, can't do that. And you probably don't have one just laying around to practice on. Mm -hmm. So there, there are things like that. You know, I can't teach you how to run a file perfectly straight uh, without making you feel the file and do all sorts of things, right? Um, and especially for me, much as a you know a 1911 specialist, uh, much of building those those guns is by you know is feel, um, and I can't can't make you feel what I want you to feel via video or the mm -hmm. internet so uh so that brings you to the next route which is the actual in-person gunsmithing uh trade schools which uh at this point i believe there are four left in the country um uh, the one i i attended yavapai college uh school of gunsmithing right um 
that is in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, uh, obviously, I'm partial to them because that's where I attended and taught for several years. Um, there's also the Colorado School of Trades, uh, which is another very popular uh, true gunsmithing school. Their program is run, each of the programs is run very different, right? Uh, and there's a couple out out east uh, as well um, for actual gunsmithing. I believe there's one in Arkansas, but I'm not sure if they're still uh, teaching as much these days. But each program is set up just a little bit differently. They're not all the same. You know, most of the time you, uh, let's say you want to go to a college class and uh, you want to study criminal justice. Well, that's pretty much laid out. These, This is a curriculum. No matter what school you go, you're going to learn, you know, these things within a criminal justice degree or, or whatever. Gunsmithing is definitely not the same way. Um, you know, my the school I went to very much specialized in the custom gun kind of uh, gunsmithing versus some of the other colleges which focus on more of the generalized gunsmithing, you know. Uh, so you kind of, while you only have a few choices, even within those few choices, each has their kind of little specialty. So you got to make sure you know what you at least have a general idea of what you want to work on. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but those are, those are the routes to really become a, <laughs> a gunsmith, at least one that works. So. <laughs> Interesting. You know, uh, I know it's specialized and such and hearing, you know, there's actual schools that you can go and learn the trade. That's um, mm-hmm. uh, that's good uh, because unfortunately I've seen in my own area, where a lot of gunsmiths are slowly, you know, aging out, and there's no younger uh, gunsmiths because it's not a big demand for them. You know, they still yeah. still need to accurize, um, accurize uh, rifles and fit shotguns and do those types of things. But yeah. you know, it's uh, becoming much more of a uh, commodity a lot of times when it comes to guns, and people are used to uh, tear, you know, tearing their clocks apart, tearing their sigs apart, those types of things, and that's that's where getting into the youtube education um you know scares me a little bit because like you said sites grips okay that's not that's not too big of a job but you start getting into other functioning parts about you know how the barrel uh mates up to the receiver uh, how it, mm-hmm. how it go how the trigger works uh, how the fire firing pin or striker uh works also those are things that can really um make or break depending upon what you have i've I've seen people that go along and will you know they make they make uh, the firing pin you know so loose that you know you barely breathe on it and fires okay but that's great for the play around range gun but you don't want to be carrying something like that um there's also a situation i believe it was up in uh minnesota where a guy was assembling an ar-15 and assembled some of the parts backwards and made it from being a, a semi-automatic to being a fully automatic and unfortunately for him the guy next to him happened to be an atf agent and he got charged with and convicted for manufacturing a, a, a machine gun because yeah. there is no excuse when it, when it comes to going along and doing that. And he proved it that he had made a stupid mistake, but law's law. And that's where he ended up uh, getting charged and is serving time in federal prison right now. And that those are some of the things that you've really got to be aware of. Um, one of the big uh, things that I've seen locally in the news when it comes to criminal is they go along and they've uh, got these clock switches 
that you can go along, turn a Glock and do a fully automatic uh, machine uh, handgun. And that's one of those situations where, yeah, it's real easy to do. It's real fun to do. And it puts a spot on your face when you're sitting there at the range and you can fire off, you know, 17 rounds in, you know, two seconds. But at the same time, if you don't understand how big of a uh, leap you just made from being a legal gun owner to an illegal gun owner, uh, you're in a world of hurt. And we've had a couple of people uh, locally that have gotten arrested, just pulled over for traffic stops. And then they get arrested for having a clock switch on their uh, legally owned firearm, but it's a a machine pistol. And that's uh, completely illegal. Completely. Yep. Yep. Lots of those things to where go along. What are some of the cautions that you would have for people that look at YouTube for their education when it comes to uh, firearms? Yeah, so here's here's the biggest thing. YouTube is not a professional education organization, and it should not be looked at as such. You can learn a lot of good things from YouTube, right? Uh, there's a lot of good videos out there about, let's say, how you know, if you're curious about how a gun actually works, right, how it how it functions, there's great diagrams out there. There's good YouTube videos that'll actually teach you, well, what happens when you actually pull the trigger on the gun? How does this gun actually fire? And that's great. That can be great information. And, I, you know, there, there were times uh, we actually utilized that as demonstrational tools in, uh, in gunsmithing courses. Um, but once you start getting past that, when you start talking about uh, modification to functionality of firearms, you are way outside your depth in YouTube. And that information should be absolutely discarded, in, in my opinion. And I'm not saying restrict information or anything of that nature. I'm just saying, you know, that is not what you want to be looking at that is not what you want to be you should not be looking at a youtube video uh, of a dude filing on anything (laughs) gun related and go you know what that sounds like a good idea i'm going to do that Uh, (laughs) with the exception of uh, replacing maybe a dovetail front sight or rear sight Uh, that might be the extent of that Um, anytime you're talking about functionality uh, of a firearm there are ways to learn the proper way to do things and youtube is probably not that way so uh i i would caution anyone against uh thinking that you know one of the biggest problems we've found out in the last especially 20 years is that everyone that has a dremel became a gunsmith apparently and uh <laughs> and that is yeah that is a real problem because uh, a dremel a gunsmith does not make so uh, we need to really be careful about, you know, what we decide is within our, our scope of skill and what is outside of our scope of skill. And basically, if you learned it on YouTube, it's probably not within your scope of skill. Yep. You need to seek some professional work. And I would go along and point people out. Most of the, um, you know, garage gunsmiths, armorers, whatever you want to call them, also have a warning on their video saying this video is for entertainment purposes only and do not attempt this at home type of thing, which kind of covers them because if you ever refer to it in a, in a court proceeding saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go along and, uh, you know, get, get this YouTuber to come on the stand and tell them that what I did was actually exactly what, what he told me to do. He'll get on the stand and say, yeah, it's for entertainment purposes only. I wasn't trying to teach a skill versus if I bring something to AJ Zito 
and he modifies my 1911 for some reason it breaks or it you know something's not done properly on it i can bring aj zito and he can describe exactly what he what he did and justify why he did it that way and that and if the part fails it's because of a uh, metal problem or something along those lines because he'd followed everything to make it within spec to make it safe and make it exactly where the the client wants it to be that's a absolutely big big difference when it comes on the liability side of things which i hate going along bringing up liability because it it always seems like such a downer but at the same time (laughs) the thing we've always got to look at and you know we talk about having instructor insurance and doing those types of things that take money out of our pocket Liability is, you know, just the way things are. People will see you because they fell over their two feet and skinned their knee or they, you know, broke an ankle or, you know, did did something along those lines. And the thing you want to do is you don't want to increase your liability by going along and making modifications to the firearms that you have that, as you said, that changes the uh, functionality of it, you know, or how it, how it functions. Yes, having having a ghost trigger on your uh glock on your uh sig is really nice you know they shoot faster and such the challenge comes into is how safe is that or is that person going to go along and and carry that in their everyday life and all of a sudden gun's going to go off when they don't intend it to because i've been in two classes already uh not ones that i've ran but two two that i've been a student is where i've had other students whose guns have gone off uh you know unintentionally and they were Glock, so I took a quick look at them and realized very quickly that they were modified out of spec. And because of that, guess what? When they touched the trigger, it was instead of instead of being four and a half or five and a half pounds for the Glock trigger, they were down to about three pounds, and it just would not lock up reliably each and every time. So when you're told to go along and shoot twice, and you end up shooting three times, and that's because it didn't lock up after that last shot that's that's a problem and as an instructor you can't allow that to keep going on because that's a dangerous gun at that point it's been proven and you got to take it off the line and if it can't be repaired there you know, that person's got to find either another firearm or can't can't uh continue to uh, participate in the in the live fire section of the class yep yep absolutely and i mean as an instructor you know listen no one wants to tell someone that hey man your your equipment is unsafe and you cannot continue this class. It hurts us just as, just as much as it hurts you. But the reality is you, you messed with your stuff uh, outside of your scope of skill, right? Because you're not an armor or a gunsmith. And now this is the penalty for it. So I hope you have, you know, something else to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And you're right. We see it all the time. And I... You know, often I have to be the bearer of bad news. Like, hey, man, you can't shoot that gun. You can't. I can't have it here. And and that's exactly why. So I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, some of the common modifications, and and uh, I'll list out a couple I've had done on my guns, uh, where I've had my 1911 worked on uh, for it. I've done my own modifications to my Glock because it's a, you know, basically a, a drop-in modifications to it. But one of the other things I've had on my, one of my rifles that I really, really love is I've got a Ruger American rifle that I had the stock bedded, which for the people that don't know what, what bedding is, and that is filling in all the small little gaps between the stock 
and the actual metal of the rifle. And what that does is that gives you more reliable performance. And the re one of the reasons why I love it so much was I was able to make a 186-yard shot with an American rifle. And, Amer and the Ruger American rifle is not some thousand-plus-dollar type of rifle. It's a very budget-minded four or $500 rifle. And I was shooting a 350 Legend cartridge. And if you know mm. the if you know the cartridge, it's good to be out about 200, 250 yards, depending upon what you're shooting. I made a made a shot on a deer at 186 yards and completely blew the guys away that were sitting there uh watching me shoot this. But I made the shot and I I've shot it many times since, and I can cloverleaf the shots at a hundred yards with that rifle. And a lot of that come down to the bedding of it. And I took the gunsmith because not that I couldn't necessarily do it, but I want to make sure it was done properly. And I didn't basically mess things up because that's the other thing <laughs> that I take in consideration too. Yeah, I can do a lot of stuff, but how much, how much of that uh, epoxy am I going to get places? I don't really want it to be. And the, those, uh, those types of questions and uh, very, very, very happy with that, um, to say the least. And that's one of those uh, modifications that I think were very, very well um, worthwhile doing it. What are some of the other Absolutely. modifications you've seen with both long guns and, sh and pistols that you found that have been useful in the in the past, AJ? Sure. So uh, let me let me just carry on with the the rifle, and then I'll move into the pistols, which are, are more common. You know. Uh, Glass bedding or uh, epoxy bedding a rifle is a fantastic thing. I will tell you, for anyone who's never bedded their own rifle, I would not suggest it because the first time you do it, it is it is a learning experience to say the least. Maybe the first four times you do it, it's a learning <laughs> experience, uh, you know. But it is a, a fantastic uh, operation. Uh, it, it really does help the rifle. Along with that, we do things like pillar. Uh, uh, pillar bedding rifles where we include either aluminum or steel pillars uh, around the action screws, which uh, stops the gun from, from using recoil or transferring recoil through the screws. It really helps the, the gun in the long run. Uh, along with that, accurizing a rifle. You know, accurizing a, a very simple rifle, um, or I shouldn't say simple, but a, a inexpensive rifle goes such a long way. And, and by accurizing, uh, some guys refer to it as blueprinting. I don't like the term blueprinting because that's not correct because you're not actually working to a blueprint on the gun. Uh, the whole reason you're doing it is because they didn't follow the blueprint. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, accurizing, which is where we typically we take the barrel off the gun. We true the face of the receiver. We true the face of the barrel, maybe do a setback uh, in order to rechamber the gun. So everything sits perfectly flat together uh, along with, um, you know, we mate the bolt to the receiver uh, and truly get all the surfaces to lock up very nicely. And that goes uh, to the accuracy of the gun. Um, to the point where we, you know, we've taken <laughs> Turkish Mausers that have no business printing tighter than, uh, you know, a, a five minute of angle group. And they've been sub sub minute of angle groups all day, every day uh, with those guns, just with some accurizing work. Um, trigger jobs are always a, a big thing in the rifle as well as the pistol world. Uh, and when done correctly, they really do make a huge difference. 
everyone automatically assumes, and this is even more so in the pistol world, everyone assumes that a trigger job's goal is to lighten the trigger of a firearm. And that is not often the case. Um, it's, it's not about making a trigger light. It's about making a trigger smooth and predictable more often than not. Uh, most of the issues we see, especially on the pistol side, is uh, triggers with lots of stacking or lots of walls. and uh, it, There's no predictability to the triggers. Um, so what you do with a trigger job, a trigger job done by a professional is remove those things uh, and much of the time it's you know not a not a crazy endeavor uh to do but you know things things like that things like uh on the pistol side uh, extended mag releases to a point are are great it really you really have to be in tune with your equipment in order to understand if those are going to work for you or not work for you um Sites are always, I mean, it's almost a given for most people that when they purchase a firearm, they probably need to change the sights on it. Uh, we all don't see things the same. Um, we all don't perceive for the ammunition you plan on putting through it. It's, it's just not the way it works. So we need to truly, truly uh, zero the firearms, especially handguns. We've gotten away from this idea that that handguns need to be zeroed, but they absolutely do, in my opinion. Uh, and those sights you got on your handgun, you're, they're probably not correct for your defensive ammunition that you're going to shoot out of it. So uh, th that's one of the l biggest things I, I see as far as modifications to, to handguns that really make a difference. Um, you know, and then always there's the texturing. Texturing has been very popular over the last 10, 15 mm -hmm. years. Um, uh, to the point where everyone thinks they can texture their own firearm as well because they watch a YouTube <laughs> video. I would highly encourage you not to get a soldering iron and go to town on your Glock because there is not all the information you need available in that YouTube video. I promise you. Uh, there are lots of things that can go wrong uh, with that. It's not as simple as taking a hot iron and stabbing a piece of plastic. It does It's not nearly that simple. Mm -hmm. um, so, but... It is a great modification. Um, you know, it definitely does increase uh, increase the usability of those firearms, especially in less than optimal environments. Um, so those are those are great things, I think. You ever done any work on uh, shotguns before? I have, <laughs> I have, yeah. And actually, uh, some of my my good 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 friends of my best friends uh were the gunsmiths over at van comp shotguns oh, wow. um yeah they uh you know uh, we i would be over in their shop for for lunch or, or something all the time uh great guys over there uh they used to be down the road now they're in las vegas outside of las vegas uh but yep yep so i used to work on them and then i would uh you know undoubtedly as time went on, I said, Hey, listen, call, call the boys at van comp. Cause that's, that's their jam. They specialize in that. Yeah. The, the one thing I, I saw somebody work on a, a shotgun one time, got a, got a custom stock and what the gunsmith was uh, doing, uh, before he even polished up the stock or anything, just had the person start shouldering it and firing it. Yep. And what made it so amazing was he shouldered it. And it was firing a little bit to the, a uh, little bit to the right. 
And you know, for most people, it'd be like, okay, just put the sights, you know, on the, you know, a little bit more to the left kind of, kind of thing with a shotgun because you're trying to get a general uh, point of aim on it. But mm-hmm. what the gunsmith did was he went along, took uh, took it back off, filed down a little bit more of the wood, and then went along and you know had him shoot again, shoot again, to where literally when he got done with it the guy could shoulder it almost blind and hit the center of the target each and every time. And that's one of those pieces that took the skill to know how much to take off and where to t- uh, uh, take it off so that it was centered up, not just on the gun, but centered up for the person who was shooting it, you know, similar to what you were, what you were talking about with um, accurizing the uh, rifles and such. It, it really does make a big difference when you've got somebody who knows how to, and you're not talking table saw type of cuts. You're talking about somebody, <laughs> yeah. somebody who can take, you know, some three or 400 uh, grit sandpaper and sand down a hundredth of an inch off one side. So that it fits just a little bit more precisely and watch to watch this person break uh, clays. It was amazing because he just basically did not miss. I mean, he did 20 24 out of 25 consistently and 25 out of 25 uh, very frequently yep yep and shock shotguns especially traditional shotguns uh are are just an amazing level of craftsmanship especially in the stock work uh Mm because exactly what you're talking about you know we've that's one of those things most people don't understand that it's not a traditional what we would consider a traditional sighting system right uh most guns are set up with one front sight and there is no rear aperture because the way we used to explain it is your eye becomes the rear aperture kind of idea and that stock placement cheek placement uh in your body and against your face becomes so important so important and to watch a true craftsman be able to do those things it is an amazing thing to watch i Mm -hmm. i uh the the guy i used to work for at the college uh was a a competitive uh trap shooter and uh a master at uh setting up shotguns for people and it was amazing to watch him work uh on that stuff so i understand greatly yeah yeah it's and it is a uh art one you know once somebody knows what they're doing they can really do uh magical things with you know we were talking about the shotgun stock also with the bedding of a rifle or even even from the grip on a hand or on a uh, pistol i've got very big hands Uh, it takes you Mm -hmm. know i could i need you know swells on my pistols or i need extra grip on my pistol so my hands don't wrap around it and i get the proper uh, portion of my finger on the trigger and that's where having a good gunsmith who can look at it and say okay we can do this we can do this but i also need to go along shave this part off of it so that it fits my hand better and then every time i bring it up it's in this it's in where it's in the place where i expect it to be each and every time yeah and that's uh that's one of the great things uh seeing about it and unfortunately just aren't a whole lot of uh gunsmiths around i know in my area there's one that most people go to uh for different modifications but there's just not one on every corner anymore it's uh far few and far between absolutely absolutely hey aj we've been asking all our guests this uh season can you recommend an annual event or regional event that you think instructors should uh, check out to uh, promote their own education Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so an annual event that I would probably recommend for instructors 
to go check out. Uh, and this might be, I know this is going to be a little different than, um, than probably some others. Uh, and maybe I'm not answering this correctly now that I think about it, but, uh, if you can get yourself as an instructor into a true adult learning class at, let's say, a local college, that will go so far for you just to understand the way to transmit information to adults and the way adults learn. Uh, no, it's not specifically about um, shooting or, or firearms or, or gunsmithing or whatever. Um, but uh, just the understanding of that, that, uh, mental process and how to reach adults, uh, easier goes a long way. So that would, that would really be my recommendation. Uh, I know it's not an event, but it's something we all have some sort of community college somewhere near us, at least within an hour of where we live for most of us. Uh, it, and most of them do, uh, abbreviated courses, to where you could you could get into that for a relatively reasonable price uh, and a relatively low time commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would I would definitely encourage instructors to look into that. To look yeah. into that. Yeah, I think that's a very good recommendation because when you think about it from an instructor standpoint, we teach a lot of people how to press the trigger, but we know that 90, 95% of the entire process is going on between their ears. It's very important to know how to reach those people, educate them properly, because they've got to be able to process the information that they're seeing and hearing and be able to press the trigger, you know, appropriately. But that's only, you know, a quarter of the second of the time. Uh, we had guests on George Harrison, and he made a lot of uh, good points uh, when George was on about how we speak speak to students about it and how adult learning theory has advanced uh do we go along and press the trigger or do we pull the trigger that's a very good question when you when you really think about it because realistically we press an elevator button we pull a rope and we're really pulling the trigger yep so, good suggestion well Thank aj you. where where can people find more about the classes that you're teaching and maybe your gunsmithing services in case they've got a 1911 or so they want somebody to work on yeah so uh i, I try and make it very easy uh both things can be found on my website at practicalperformance.org um you can you can find a list of gunsmithing services on there uh, you cannot order any gunsmithing services on there. It just has a link to where you can reach out to me. Because uh, again, I am a custom gunsmith uh, by trade. So there is a lot of interaction. It's not just point and click. It is a, a conversation we need to have. Uh, so for gunsmithing stuff, you can find me there. As well as all my classes. All the classes I teach uh, individually can be found on my website under the register for a class button uh, that lists all the classes I currently have open uh, as just solo classes. You can also uh, find I teach classes with some other individuals as well. Uh, I'm a staff instructor for Modern Samurai Project uh, for all of Scott Jedlinski's uh, classes. Um, not all of them, but for, for a lot of them, I'm there as well. Uh, so you can find me there, or I teach a joint class, which I uh, I really love teaching with uh, my friend Tim Heron of Tim Heron Shooting, and uh, that is uh, 
what we call is it's for train for mastery. And the course is the things you don't get taught at your class, which is basically truly how to practice and how to make gains as a shooter to fast track your progression as a shooter, instead of just going to the range and just blasting, you know, a thousand rounds and hoping you got better that day. Uh, so you, you so mean that I, doesn't work? It, it does. Darn. Well, eventually <laughs> it might for some individuals, but unfortunately for a majority of us, it doesn't. And unfortunately it took me a while to figure that out. So, uh, that's why that course exists. But, um, of There's course, a lot I'm, better I'm, ways of saving money than going along and shooting a thousand rounds every day at the range. That's for sure. <laughs> that, that is a fact. That is a fact. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm on all, uh, well, not all the social media, but I'm on, you know, Instagram. You can see gunsmithing uh, and and um, my shooting and training at practical underscore performance underscore org. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm I'm all over the place. So uh, uh, I hope to have some better YouTube content up in the near future. Uh, it's one of those things that in the off season, I hope to get back up and running as well. Um, you can also check out my podcast. Uh, uh, we haven't recorded an episode for quite a, quite a long time, but it's out there as well. You can check that out. Super. That's really great. And AJ, really appreciate you uh, taking time and sharing your knowledge about gunsmithing with our audience. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was truly a pleasure. Uh, and I do enjoy it. I hope to, uh, uh, hope to be able to do it again sometime as well. Sounds good. AJ have, have a good night. You as well. That's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found it interesting to talk about gunsmithing and the differences between it, which you, what a, uh, armor can do and what a gunsmithing person should do for it and the safety behind it. Now, do you have a topic you'd like us to talk about? like gunsmithing or something else. Do you have somebody you'd like us to talk to? Email me your ideas, suggestions, feedback at FTP at com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on a website at firetrainerpodcast.com. And remember, on our website, you can listen to previous episodes. You can search previous episodes for specific topics. I also want to ask you to leave us a review. Google Play, iTunes, or wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help other people find us and also help us know what you think about our podcast. Visit our sponsors, especially Fire and Trainers Association, FTAProtect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. There's other companies out there, but the FTA insurance is the best that I've found. Remember, use promo code FTP10 at 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, Every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.